In our parasha, we're going to see that Moshe writes a Sefer Torah, and he gives it to the Kohanim, who are considered the children of Levi. The Rogachov has a question on this, which he doesn't answer, and the Rebbe will show how Rashi actually answers the question, and in doing so, distinguishes between the roles of Kohanim and Levim, not only in practical terms, but also in terms of what they represent spiritually, two kinds of Avoidas Hashem. So in Pasuk, when you have the Pasuk that says, that Moshe wrote the Torah, and he gave it to the Kohanim, sons of Levi, who carry the Oren, and he gave it also to the elders of Israel. So the Rogachav has a question about that expression, the Kohanim, the children of Levi. Because this expression, the Kohanim, the sons of Levi, is an expression that, ex- that already occurs earlier in Pasha Shoftim. But the din from Egla Rufa, when we're told about who has to deal with the Egla Rufa case, the John Doe is found dead partway between two cities, and the closest city has to go through a cleansing ritual called the Egla Rufa. So there the Pasuk says, part of the delegation that approaches, that comes to deal with this issue, Kohanim, the children of Levi. Zogdot di Sifri. So there the Sifri explains why it says Kohanim, the children of Levi. Says the Sifri, you would think that they would have to be Kohanim that are free of a mum, like the kind of Kohen who could serve in the base Amigdash. How do you know that the Kohanim who are involved in the Egla Rufa ritual could also have personal blemishes? That's why we have the additional words to broaden the scope that it includes any Kohen at all. In other words, as the Yitel Hashem Ben Levi, the extra words that the extra words Ben Levi teach me that even a koyen who has a physical imped- a physical blemish is capable or qualified to be part of the Egla Rufa process. Freg the Rogachav of Mais, the Rogachav says, Great, the Sifri explained in Pasha Shoftim why it had to say a koyenim Ben Levi. What about Yan Pasha's Vayelech? What is the Torah adding to the picture by telling us which Kohanim were given the Sefer Torah? B'nai Levi. Obviously, there'd be no relevance to this conversation whether they had blemishes or not. Because we're not discussing anything of the service inside the base Amigdash. So the physical state of the Kohanim should be irrelevant. Because it's only in Avoida that a person with a mum is disqualified from service. This is not in, in the base Amigdash. And this is one of the very, very few occasions where the Ragachava asks a question and doesn't answer it. Why does it say B'nai Levi over here about the Kohanim who got the Torah from Moshe in, in Moshe's last day? We've discussed numerous times that you can extrapolate out of Rashi's explanation on the Torah even though it's directed at the Pshat, simplest understanding of the Pasuk. We can actually learn amazing insights that are relevant to other parts of Torah as well. And that's exactly what's going to happen over here. It's like Pirash Rashi if you follow Rashi's explanation, you'll discover that it's dafka when you look at the simplest understanding of the psukim. It will answer the question of the Rogachava. So let's see what Rashi said and look at it in context and then see how it answers the Rogachava's question. Rashi's This is how Rashi explains it. That Moshe wrote the Torah and he gave it to the Kohanim and to the heads of the of the Shvatim. 
So Rashi says, when the entire Sefer was complete, Nasna Livnei Shiftoi, Moshe gave that Sefer Torah to the members of his own Shevet. The fact that Rashi has to say when the whole Sefer Torah was complete is moving. We understand why he had to say that. As various of the Mephoshim point out, you shouldn't think, seeing as we're talking about Moshe writing the Sefer Torah and Moshe giving the Sefer Torah. So you might think, as Moshe you might have thought, quite logically, that Moshe wrote the whole Sefer Torah until Vayelach and, and not the rest of it. And not the Gegeben and the and maybe he gave an incomplete Sefer Torah to his Shevet, and somebody else finished it off. Therefore, Rashi clarifies for us, no, 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 once the Sefer Torah was complete, that's when Moshe gave it over. And by the way, Dermit is fashtanik for what Rashi is matik in Dibra Vort That also explains why Rashi includes in his headline, because we know whatever words Rashi uses for the heading are relevant to what he wants to explain. So he also uses the word Vayitno and he gave it. And he doesn't just say the words Vayichtoiv Moshe and explain he wrote it all. He wants to emphasize that by the time he gave it, it was complete. The word Vayichtov doesn't prove to us that Moshe gave a complete Sefer Torah to the people. But the fact that the Pasuk then continues to say, and he gave it, then we are clear that what did Moshe write? The whole Torah, because he gave the whole Torah. Because it doesn't make sense that Moshe would have given an incomplete Torah to his shape. But that's not the part that we're focused on. We're focused on the next part. We don't understand why Rashi had to explain to us that it means Moshe gave the Sefer Torah to the members of his Shevet. It sounds like Moshe's, that, that Rashi is just repeating what the parish already said. That's what it said, that he gave them to the Kohanim, the children of Levi. That is the members of his Shevet. So why does Rashi have to tell it to us? Now, maybe you'll say that what Rashi wants to clarify is that actually the word Kohanim in this Pasuk is not exclusively Kohanim, nor B'nai Shifto, but it's a broader term, all the members of Moshe's tribe, Dem Shevet Levi Bechlodus, the whole Shevet Levi, then is Vidak Kosher. Then we'll just have another question. If that's what Rashi is trying to tell us, As we've already pointed out, that expression Kohanim B'nai Levi already was used in Parashat Shevetim. And there it clearly does not refer to the whole Shevet, not It only exclusively refers to Kehanim. But the Pasuk is dot Mamshech, and there the Pasuk makes it very clear because it continues. They're the ones that Hashem chose to serve him, and to bless the Yidin. And they'll have the authority over conflict, etc. That's talking specifically about Kohanim. And the truth is that the various times in Torah where you have the, the, the two words put together, and in every case, without exception, it only means Kohanim. 
Rashi by the as Rashi says clearly, the first time that that expression comes up, means the Koyhanim who are or emerged from the tribe of Levi. So what pushes Rashi here to say that the word Hakoyhanim and then added Vinay Levi means to his whole Shevet, Gan Shevet Levi? Where did Rashi get that from? It seems to contradict every other way that we've ever explained this kind of terminology. Ah, you'll say, Agam is the Apostle Gufis Messiah, because look at the end of the Apostle, it says, Anoisim Messiah, Bris Hashem, those who carry the Oren. Who carried the Oren? Levim carried the Oren, right? Who was it? Kahos carried the Oren. So maybe that you'll explain like the Chizkuni does, that that's referring to those Koyhanim who prepared the Oren for the Levim to carry. And they're the ones who prepared this, the family of Kahas to be able to do their job to carry the Oren. As we already learned in Pashas Bamidbar. Maybe that's the answer. When Agama thought their appearance is nikratic, it's not the easiest answer to come to terms with. Even though it's a difficult answer to accept, it's still closer to the simplest understanding of the Pasuk. It's much easier to understand than to suggest that when we say a Koyhanim, we actually mean the whole Shevet Levi. More specifically. You definitely cannot, by any stretch, define those who carry the Oren as the whole Shevet Levi. Because only B'nai Kohas carried the Oren. So what prompts Rashi out of the blue suddenly to say, here, HaKoyhan B'nai Levi means that Moshe gave the Sefer Torah to his whole Shevet. The Bidin Dem explanation is this. In this very pasuk, vi in the under pesukim, exactly consistent with all the other places in Torah where Kohanim and Levim are used together, learned Rashi. Rashi understands it to mean that Moshe gave the Sefer Torah to the Kohanim of Levi, meant as the nesine befoil is given not to Kohanim. Rashi is absolutely aligned with every other explanation that Kohanim B'nai Levi or HaKohanim Alevim means only Kohanim. Who did Moshe give the Sefer Torah to? Only Kohanim. But that's why there's a question to discuss. Which Rashi has to address. Look at the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that Moshe gave that Sefer Torah with the Pasuk in Messiah at the end. Not only to the Kohanim, but also to all the elders of the entire Jewish community. Which means that this Sefer Torah was given to all the 12 Shvatim. Which are represented by the Zekanim. The Zekanim represent the Shvatim. So now, if physically... The Sefer Torah is only given to the Kohanim. Kumtachoi says, in a sense, the Sefer Torah is given to all the Shifte Yisrael. Then it sounds like he only gave the Sefer Torah to the Kohanim. Then he gave to the Zekanim to represent the entire Jewish community. 
Achutz de Levim from Shevet Levi, and the only people who did not get the Sefer Torah handed to them are the Levim? Shevet Levi? How could that be? That's what Rashi wants to clarify in his explanation. That Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Sefer Torah to the members of his Shevet, because you might have thought otherwise. Rashi is telling us that in the act of handing the Sefer Torah to the Kohanim, the effect of that was giving the Sefer Torah to his Shevet. The Kohanim there represented the entire Shevet Levi. Just like the elders of each other Shevet represented their Shevet. That's Rashi's Chiddush. By handing, he's not changing the Pshat. Handing it to the Kohanim means Kohanim. The fact that they're called B'nai Levi still means they're Kohanim. Rashi is telling us in what role did they accept the Torah? On behalf of the entire Shevet. So that Shevet Levi would not be left out from this transfer of the Sefer Torah to the whole of Kalisro. And that would explain why the Pasuk added the words, not just a Kohanim, but B'nai Levi. Because the Torah wants to be clear that the Sefer Torah was not handed to the Kohanim in their own capacity alone, but specifically as the representatives from Shevet Levi. But because they are the elite within Shevet Levi, the Kohanim are the elite, they replace for Shevet Levi the role of the Zakanim to the other Shevotim, the Fartretter from Gans and Shevet, the representatives of the entire Shevet. Even though generally speaking, Kohanim are a class of their own within Shevet Levi. They are their own camp. Remember, there's Machne Yisrael, the camp of all the other tribes. Machne Leviah, the camp of the Levim. And then Machne Shechina, which is the camp of the Kohanim. So the Kohanim are set apart from the rest of Levi. Is that Pirush and then what that means is, at least according to a simpler understanding, which is what Rashi wants to tackle, not that they're now excluded from Shevet Levi or some other group that's not Shevet Levi. No, what it means is, as in Tzugov to Zermailas HaLevia, it means in addition to the greatness of being Leviim, they have an additional greatness, which is that they are Kohanim. And we can prove it. We can prove that this is what Rashi wants to illustrate to us, that the Kohanim are part of Shevet Levi and the representatives of Shevet Levi, and therefore accepting the Sefer Torah on behalf of Shevet Levi, we can actually identify that Rashi says similar things in other places in the Torah, places that we wouldn't naturally actually realize are associated with this discussion. So we'll look at a few. Number one, Aleph. Rashi brings that up in honor for Parshas Baloischa. You may very well remember this because it's uh, quite a moving commentary of Rashi at the beginning of Baloischa where he says, How is it that straight after the Parsha of the dedication of the 12 Nasim who came to represent their tribes to inaugurate the Mishkan, Straight after that, you have the story of the of lighting the menorah. Says Rashi, when Aaron Akoyan saw that all of the Shvatim were represented by their Nasim to bring Karbonos to initiate the base the Mishkan, and he saw that he wasn't part of it. Neither him nor any member of Shevet Levi. So he felt bad. He was disturbed. 
Your role is greater than their role because you are going to light and prepare the candles of the menorah. That implies even though lighting the menorah is a job unique for the Kohanim, certainly is preparing the menorah is unique to the Kohanim, represented by Aaron Akoyan, and not the Levim. And who was left out of Chanukah Hamishkan or Chanukah Samizbeach? The Levim, the whole Shevet Levi. It's clearly a joint operation of the entire Shevet, represented by allocating the menorah to Aaron and the Koyhanim that removed the, the, the worry, the disturbance of the fact that they had been excluded from Chanukah Samizbech. What does that show you? What Rashi is telling us here. Koyhanim represent the entire Shevet Levi and the things they do are on behalf of the whole Shevet Levi. Here's another example. Uh, it may be even more dramatic example. Beis. We know that after the end of Koyrach's rebellion, the tells Moshe, Let each, you take from each Shevet a staff and put them into the Mishkan. A total of 12 staffs. And the representative who should be inscribed on the staff of Shevet Levi should be Aaron HaKoyhen. Rashi explains that there'd be one staff per Shevet. Rashi says it clearly. Even though I split Shevet Levi into two families, there's a unique group and family called the Koyhanim. Or Levia Levad and a unique group called the Leviim. Nevertheless, it is a single shevet represented by the Koyan Gadol, Aaron HaKoyen, yet again proving exactly the point Rashi is making over here. The Koyhanim represent the whole shevet Levi. Give the Sefer Torah to the Koyhanim, and you're giving it to the whole shevet Levi. The dem is fashtandik. From that we can understand, even with practical halachic application, we can explain why the Sifri tells us that in Pasha Shoftim, we were talking about the Egla Rufa, and it says the Koyhanim, B'nei Levi, it includes Koyhanim who have blemishes. Why? Let's understand, what is the nature of a Koyhan who has a physical blemish? Firstly, they are still Koyhanim, that's important. To the point that they are allowed to eat the portions of the korbanos that are shared amongst the kayanim. And that's a very powerful thing because by eating from those korbanos, it helps the people who brought their korbanos to fulfill the atonement that their korban was about, assuming it was one of those korbanos. And nevertheless, yet they are still qualified as foreigners, not true kayanim compared to healthy kayanim. The Yushami says very clearly, A non-koyen and a blemish koyen are effectively the same. In the same way, the Levim, in spite of the fact that they belong to one single shevet shared with the koyhanim, yet relative to koyhanim, they are considered foreigners. 
That's why the Sifri can take the words B'nai Levi and learn from those words that a Balmum is actually what the Pasuk is talking about. Because a Balmum and a Levi are similar. Members of the Shevet who are considered outside of the group of Kayhanim. And we can apply the same thing in our case. The fact that Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Sefer Torah to the Kohanim is not given was not simply because they are holy, they are Kohanim. He gave it to them, nor as Kohanim b'nei Levi, specifically Kohanim, who represent Shevet Levi. As Kohanim was He's focused on the fact that they Kohanim, who also within their Kohen status, incorporate Levi status. Even though that is a lesser status compared to the fact that they have the status of Kohanim. That's Rashi's message. The thing is, as it's still not absolutely clear. The reality is that Kohanim are separated from the Levim, can do things Levim can't do, are restricted by things Levim are not restricted by. To the point that they actually camped in a separate camp from the Levium. So why Taka did Moshe not give the Sefer Torah to the Kohanim as representatives of the Kohanim alone? Or not from the Why instead did David tell Moshe to give them the, the, the Sefer Torah as representatives of the whole Shevet? We can ask a similar question about the two other examples we gave, which is preparing and lighting the menorah, which is in lieu of uh, the bringing the carbonos to initiate and inaugurate the mishkan and the mizbeach. And the staff that was used to clarify things after Kerach's rebellion, maybe they too should have been a job for Kehanim, menorah, another job for Levim to ratify their position. A, a staff to represent Kohanim and a staff to represent Levium. And not only that, should it have been that way, but to the contrary, in the Yonim, in all three areas, it probably would have made much more sense in context to distinguish between Kohanim and Levium. It actually logically would have been a good reason to split them. And once we explain each of them, you're going to say, wow, you know what? Makes a lot of sense. The Kohanim and the Levim in context are actually really, really different. Aleph, let's start with our, our case. Yes, it does say with regards to the entire Shevet Levi, you saw that they are teachers of Torah and instructors of Halacha to the entire Jewish people. They all have the responsibility to educate the Jewish people with Torah. In spite of that, from Desvegen, Kohanim have a unique role in that context. Because it only says with regards to Kohanim, that if you have a dilemma, you go to the Kohanim. And they'll instruct you. And you'll follow the Torah that they instruct you to follow. It's on their basis of their teachings that will decide how you resolve a conflict. Or if a person has a particular a blemish or tzoras or whatever the case is, the Levim don't have that. So they have a unique role to play in the dissemination of and the application of Torah. They should have had a unique access to receiving the Sefer Torah. Not just 
you know, mushed in with all the Levim. We should have recognized their unique role in the teaching of Torah and the, the, the deciding of, of halachic issues. Logically, this is Dafka place the Kohanim should be distinct from the Levim. Likewise, based the mitzvah from Hadlokas Ratovas Haneiros is Dochshayich Nort Sukayhanim. When it comes to the menorah, while others might be able to light the menorah, preparing the menorah, only a kohen can do. Kolashin Rashi Hanel, like Rashi said in Baloischa, Sheatom Madlikometiv Haneiros. You are, and you're the one who prepares the menorah. Nobody else. Not only that, on Levim Zainim Osur Bezek Laich Bikol Shifte Yisrael, a Levi is as as forbidden from preparing the menorah as any ordinary Jew. So then surely, logically, this, the menorah activity, should not be a suitable way to, to, uh, to, to resolve the, the problem of the Levim, that we were excluded from Chanukah Samizbeach. Well, you're excluded from the menorah as well. Surely, you should have something independent that makes the Levim feel that they contribute. And last, the Gimel Ditaina from Kerch, which might in a sense even be the most stark of them all, Kerch's complaint was Madotis Nasal Kalashem. His whole complaint was why the Kahanim so elitist. He wasn't complaining about Shevet Levi for an obvious reason, because Kerch Alin is Dokivena Levi. Kerch was a Levi. His whole argument and complaint and rebellion was against the Kahuna. Like the Pasuk tells us, Moshe says to him, you want to also be Koyanim? You're already Levim. Why did they do the whole thing with the staffs that they put into the Mishkan? That it should be a long-lasting testimonial. That nobody should ever attack or, or criticize or try to uh, remove the power of the Koyanim. It's only logical, surely, that the Kohanim should have had their own staff that was part of this process because the Kohanim were the ones under attack. The only way to explain this is from a perspective of Hasidus. We know that both Kohanim and Levin were elevated over the rest of the nation to serve Hashem in a unique way. As a result of that, they have to be detached from the physical experience to some extent. Right? They don't inherit land and they don't, so to speak, work for a living. They have to live in separate areas, etc. But we know that there's a very stark difference between a Kohen and a Levi. A koyhain may not consciously contaminate themselves with impurity. That's why koyhain is not allowed to travel outside of Israel because he'll be exposed to all kinds of impurities. The levy has no restriction. He can walk into a cemetery, travel the world, touch a dead body, no problem. That tells you that a koyhain has to be somebody who is completely removed from anything that is contrasted to holiness and to purity. His world cannot tolerate any impurity. Whereas the world of the Levi doesn't completely exclude the possibility of something impure. But when the Levi has to go on duty, because it's his roster, and he's got to go sing, or he's got to do the gates, well, then he has to be, be sure that he's in a state of purity. 
That reflects into two spiritual elements inside every one of us. We have a koin element and a levi element. Bechinas koin is the madrege nefesh was dot nito rit nit on kain tuma. The koin dimension of our own inner being is a part of ourselves that is immune to any kind of impurity. It's too lofty, it's too pure, it's too deep. Nothing in the world can contaminate it. On bechinas levi shaboy is the madrege vutuma ken dot nye onirun. But then we also have a Levi dimension of commitment to Hashem. Like the Rambam famously says that every one of us can be like a Levi and dedicate ourselves to Hashem, but it is still potentially susceptible to impurity. If I'm in that world which is susceptible to impurity, then my avoider is to cancel, to neutralize the impurity. Tvila, like the immersion that a Levi does in a mikveh in order to be able to go into duty, it's the same letters as Bittel, which is to neutralize the tumor. We, that's the job of the lady. You've got to, you, you're under, you're potentially under threat of impurities. You have to find a way to neutralize the threat. In under Averta, Veloshan Atanya, let's put it into different words that we'll be familiar with from Tanya. Kain is the matzav avoida funes hapcha. A koyhain represents the type of the mode of avoida which transforms the negative into positive so that there is no negative left. There is no susceptibility to impurity. There's no bad. Which the Alter Rebbe describes uh, metaphorically as foods that are naturally sweet. Levim represent the avoid of iskafia, breaking and neutralizing the negative. We dissolve the, the bad, we neutralize the bad. Which the Alter Rebbe compares metaphorically, like foods that are naturally very bitter or very tart is probably a better word, and very spicy, but they've been pickled or they've been cured in such a way that they actually become delicious, maybe even more delicious than the sweet items. That's why in those three scenarios, the Sefer Torah to the Shevet Levi, the representation of Aaron to light the menorah as the, the response to being excluded from Chanukah Samizbeach and the staff in Kerach's argument just representing the whole of Shevet Levi now all makes sense. We didn't separate. In those scenarios, we don't split the Kohanim and Levim. But the Kavon of Atachas from Didrayin Yonim is all three of those scenarios have one thing in common, which is to tackle and correct something that was inappropriate. That's not the world of the Koyen. The Koyen doesn't have to do with impurity and have to tackle it. These are all three scenarios that speak the language of the Levi's Avoida. Therefore, the Koyen's involvement in these three scenarios is not as Koyhanim, but rather as representatives of Shevet Levi, who also have Levi elements within them. What does that mean, Vabir? Let's look at the three cases. Aleph, many did done, starting with our case, Nesinus HaSefer Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu gives a Sefer Torah to Shevet Levi via the Koyhanim. Why did he give the Torah to them? He's given Nitzelip to learn on Torah Stam. This wasn't just because they needed to be able to learn Torah. He has a Sefer Torah, so you have a book that you can learn from. The primary reason that we're given the Sefer Torah at that point was to 
prevent inappropriate things that might have happened later. Which is, by the way, why it's presented at this point in time. Basically, the Jews are going into Eretz Yisrael. They're going to be susceptible to all kinds of distractions. The Sefer Torah is there to help them to protect themselves. That's why it appears in the Torah where after Hashem has given, or Moshe Rabbeinu at least, has given some very severe rebuke to the Jewish people, addressing the possibilities of what could go wrong. The Sefer Torah is the antidote. Antidote is not the world of Kohanim. Therefore, the Kohanim step into the role on behalf of Shevet Levi. Likewise, Bezad Lokas Fatovas Aneris, preparing and lighting the menorah, is to fix the fact that Aaron was hurt, upset, uh, undermined. It's not like, what, what do you think? Aaron O'Quinn walked around depressed. He was moping around. Abishah left me out. He immediately became introspective. What's wrong? What am I missing? Is it the Egel Azov? Is it something else? It was a tuba process. And besides, the whole message of the menorah is to illuminate the world out there. Where light, even a small amount of light, is designed to repel darkness. Iskafia, avoid of Levian. And give him a chloikas koyach, which is probably the most obvious. Taking these different staffs and putting, putting them into the Mishkan, that was to address and to fix the terrible debacle of koyach. I'm now going to remove from me the complaints that the Jewish people had. Seeing as all three of these scenarios have to do with something that was negative, that had to be repaired or repelled, that's not a place for Kohanim to be distinct because it's not Kohanim's avoida. The Kohanim in this context are part of the bigger Shevet Levi whose job it is to grapple with these issues and overcome them. But on the other hand, the fact remains that Aaron or the Kohanim, depending on which scenario, are still representatives for Shevet Levi. Because when you have a Kohen, specifically Aaron, representing Shevet Levi in an Avoida, which is about Iskafia, you actually have the best of both worlds. Uh, sorry, I skipped something. First, you have the experience of the Levi, which is to overwhelm and fix what was wrong. And then you have the power of the Koyan to transform the negative into positive, so you never have a repeat. When both sides work together, then we fix the negative in the most perfect way. We transform the darkness itself to become light. And the bitterness itself to become sweet. Where everything is absolute goodness, as we'll have in the coming of Mashiach. Take it from Yad Mamash.